I chose William Peace University because of the small class sizes. I feel that you get more one-on-one -on -one time with teachers, with class sizes like about 16 per teacher. You can really get that one-on-one -on -one help a lot of students need. A 12 to one student to faculty ratio is just one of the many reasons students choose William Peace University. Extra attention starts day one for career planning with their Career Services Center. Find out all they have to offer at peace.edu. That shot by Cairo on goal rebound. And then Cairo again didn't get a lot on it. And Mirazik got back and made the save. Good chance there. Uh, Cairo's going to go for a change here. Now Barbashev at the line. Falk a drive on goal rebound. They score! Sammy Blay gets the Blues off and running. Ritz grabbed by Perron. Back for Pareko. Now ahead to Sanford. He goes wide on Slavin to the net. Wrap around. And Warren Fogel dumps it in. For Stahl, centers it. That's chopped away. And now Thomas for Shen. In with Pareko and Schwartz. Pareko the drive. He scores! What a shot by Pareko. It's 3-0. This is the Canes Corner Podcast with host Adam Gold. Part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now here's the host of the Canes Corner Podcast, Adam Gold. Welcome to the Morning After Podcast. I'm Adam Gold. We'll be joined by Alec Campbell in just a couple of minutes. So there you have it. The first three St. Louis Blues goals tonight in rapid fire fashion. Granted, the second one didn't have a goal call because nobody realized immediately, except, of course, for the Blues players on the ice that Zach Sanford's wraparound had gotten in. Sammy Blay with the first goal. That came early in the first period. That was Carolina's, well, forget the third period. The third period almost didn't count. It was 5-1 by that point. Uh, but the uh, the first period was Carolina's better of the first two periods. It wasn't amazing, but I thought it was a relatively evenly played first period. Uh, then Zach Sanford with the wraparound. That's the one you didn't, we didn't essentially get a, uh, a culmination, the goal call on, and then Colton Perenko, uh making it 3-0, just 4.50 into the second period. There was a Sebastian Ajo goal uh, not that long after that, about a, less than a minute and a half later, that made it 3-1. Carolina had some life, but the parade to the penalty box uh, hurt them in the second. Braden Shen getting a, p a couple of power play goals, and then uh, Zach Sanford scoring again. To make it 6-1 early in the third, Carolina tacked on two goals. McGinn and Natchez to make it a 6-3 final. I'm Adam Gold. Uh, this is not going to be the happiest morning after podcast, but it is what it is. And that's what happens when you lose 6-3 and you get outclassed by one of the best teams, maybe the best team in the National Hockey League. Uh, so again, we'll talk to Alec Campbell in just a little bit. Subscribe, shows up in your phone. Give it a rating. Do uh, do what you like. No pressure. Entirely up to you. All right, let's get to a couple of quick thoughts before we bring in Alec. The first period is fine. Nobody's complaining about the first period except the first goal, which was a bad goal to allow early in the game uh, because it seemed utterly avoided, avoidable. Uh, it was a Justin Falk shot from the point. I know there are people who are mad at that, whatever. Uh, Falk just put it on net, 
And Mrazek uh, did not, could not corral it, couldn't handle it. I think he should have been able to. Uh, we can probably debate that. Uh, but from that far out, even if he didn't see it right off the shot, it's something he probably should have squeezed. Uh, either way, bad coverage in front as Martin Natchez and Brett Pesci had kind of drifted up because it did look like Carolina was uh, trying to move the puck out of the zone. Of course, they never had the puck to do that. So to allow uh, Sammy Blay behind you like that is really a mistake. Whether it's Pesci's or uh, Natchez's mistake remains to be seen. It really doesn't matter at this point. Uh, we're just assigning blame. But anyway, Morazic should have uh, collected, should have swallowed the rebound. He did not. And Sammy Blay was all alone in front. Easy one, one nothing game. Uh, then Zach Sanford, this is the one we didn't hear the finish on. Uh, wrap around, he kind of, uh, Jacob Slavin tried to go around the side of the net to cut him off. He couldn't do that. Um, but Mrazek didn't go post to post very well. I don't know if he caught an edge and kind of stumbled, but he ended up falling back into the net. He never got all the way across. It was a relatively easy wraparound goal for a 2 nothing score. And then in transition, uh, Stahl, Fogel, and I don't remember the other forward on the ice, uh, they were just, I mean, too casual after uh, trying to make a play in the offensive zone. And... St. Louis comes out three on one, three on two. It actually was four on two, but I think somebody went off on a change. Um, and Pareko was wide open, just uh, just I think right about the top of the circle on the left, and he ripped one by. Actually, it was a little bit above the circle on the left, and he just ripped one by uh, Mrazek. Probably not a great goal to allow. I mean, I know Pareko has a big shot, uh, but. Thought Mrazek was there, but he was drifting. It is one of the nights where Mrazek was kind of all over the place in goal and uh, really wasn't his best. And for, I think, the uh, total shots on goal for St. Louis was 26. They scored six goals on those 26 shots. And I don't know why Mrazek was given the start other than the fact that, in general, this is going to be a tandem the whole way. Uh, James Reimer is not a number one goaltender. Peter Mrazek uh, is part of a tandem as well, and that's where we are. But Mrazek has had historically great numbers against the St. Louis Blues. Didn't work out tonight. Maybe uh, a reverting to the mean, if you will. Um, but uh, Carolina got off to a slow start. They trailed 3 nothing. They fought back a little bit, but again, power play goals uh, hurt them. All right, a couple of quick things, and then we'll probably bring these things back up when we talk to Alec Campbell. Uh, do the Hurricanes miss Dougie Hamilton? Hell yeah, they miss Dougie Hamilton. But if you think that's the reason or an excuse why this team hasn't played well in the six games, and they've won a couple, they've won some games without Dougie Hamilton, but if you think uh, that's justification for what we see on the ice, sorry, doesn't work. St. Louis... Vladimir Tarasenko, he's been out since October. How much time did Sidney Crosby miss for Pittsburgh? Remember when we thought Pittsburgh was going to fall apart even before Sidney Crosby went out? Yeah, that's a long time ago. Uh, Carolina needed a top four defenseman before Dougie Hamilton's injury. Uh, they have to go get, it all depends on uh, the perspective of what you think the season is, uh, but they need to go out and get themselves a top four defenseman and preferably one they can carry into next year at least because the truth of the matter is that we all know this. 
that the Hurricanes are a top four defenseman shy, even at full strength, of being a legit playoff. And I'm you can make the playoffs, but to be a contender to go deep in the playoffs, Carolina's got to get better on the blue line. Uh, they need more grind in their forward group. We th- I, at least I did. I thought that going into the season that there wasn't enough uh, in terms of a, uh, a grit factor or a grind factor or both. Um, and because they, they spend a lot of time on the outside. And uh, this team also needs to shore up their goaltending. And that may come from the two guys who are currently manning the crease. Mrazek has not yet gotten to what Mrazek was at the end of last year when he earned the right to come back, and nobody would have been happy if he didn't. But uh, And James Reimer has been good after a slow start. We, we don't have to go back that far to realize that there were people trying to get rid of James Reimer back in October, but he has played very well. Um, and I know there are people who say, Look, let's, let's let him be the number one. Yeah, James Reimer hasn't been a number one before, and he's likely not going to be a number one here going forward. Uh, I have said this before. I still think that at some point we'll see Alex Nedeljkovic here, um, but I don't know that it will be at Peter's expense. Uh, I thought it would always be at James' expense, but we don't know. Uh, truth is, they're not necessarily good enough at this point uh, in goal to, again, make a deep playoff run. But you f- you go back to maybe not this point last year, but before the beginning of this uh, of the 2019 portion of the calendar, and they weren't all that great in goal either. They were just about league average, which is about what they are right now. A league league average goaltending, which should keep a minute. But of course, the scoring has dried up, and uh, Carolina does miss Dougie Hamilton. On the power play, they miss him terribly. The power play in the first uh, first couple they had tonight were tr- were just awful. They did score a power play goal late, but again, uh, it's hard to draw any conclusions from what we saw in the third period. All right, uh, so let's get a uh, let's just pause very quickly. I'll remind you again that you can subscribe to this. And because uh, it, it shows up automatically in your feed, wherever you get your podcast, give us a rating and I'll borrow the line from uh, my friend Bamani Jones. If you give us anything less than a five star, I will have to uh, consider you a hater. I don't say it nearly as funny as he does. All right. So uh, we'll pause. Alec Campbell come back on the other side and we'll get his thoughts on what we saw tonight. My man Alec Campbell is with us, of course, able-bodied Stormwatch Aftermath host, my friend. Um, I don't want to be like this is not the death knell. I think the first thing we need to acknowledge is that the Blues are the defending champs and the best team in the West and maybe the best team in the NHL. And maybe what we saw tonight was a couple of bad goals and add that to the fact that St. Louis is just better. And that's yeah. how we get the separation that we saw. Yeah, I mean, listen, I I didn't like tonight. I got to be honest with you. I mean, I I know that Rod, you know, kind of said the same thing. It wasn't a disaster. Uh, well, I know. I think it was a disaster. You look at well, he said it wasn't a disaster. Well, they play. I think you know? they after the first period, they they played very poorly. And if, I agree. And if you. You know, he was like, you know, I think the chances were even. Well, I mean, if you, you go to naturalstatric.com and you look at that, 
you're going to see that the chances in all situations were even, or the high danger chances were even, the scoring chances were in favor of the Hurricanes. Uh, of course, he was in favor of the Hurricanes, but that's why you don't just evaluate games based on that because this game was not close to being in the Hurricanes' favor, if you ask me. And no. I think what we saw tonight, and you point out how good St. Louis is, and that was you know, one of my overarching themes about tonight was that what we saw tonight was what I deemed a real hockey team, a, a team that looks and feels like a playoff team and a Stanley Cup contender and one that doesn't. And the one that doesn't was the Carolina Hurricanes tonight. And I think what we saw was just how far off the Hurricanes are to the team that the St. Louis Blues are. And even John Forslund admitted that he didn't even think that St. Louis really played that well. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but tonight was a lack of mental toughness, a lack of focus. They were not even close to being hard to play against tonight, Adam. No, they weren't. Uh, Certainly not in the second period. You know, the goaltending was not good from Peter Morozik, but and I'm not trying to qualify it because Peter Morozik was not good tonight. Let's just straight up say he was not good tonight. It, it, it may have been the worst performance I've seen him have all season, to be honest with you. Um, and there's, you know, a deeper conversation to be had about the goaltending, which we can do if you want. But there, there were plenty of, of situations tonight, and, you know, off the top of my head, I can think of just going through the, you know, the first goal. I don't, you know, go, I, I, do you have a computer open? I mean, go back, watch the first goal. Oh, yeah. What is Martin, what is Martin Natchez doing on the first goal? Yeah. He, um, he and Pesci he were skates, both right. Yeah. Yeah. Pesci too. But I, I you know, I, and I'm not, you know, I'm a neophyte when it comes to the X's and O's, although I don't think this is rocket science. We're talking about it's hockey, but Martin Natchez, the puck goes up the wall. And Martin Natchez literally skates to where nothing is happening. Like, literally, there's not a person there. Right. There's not a puck there. I, I, it's like he saw – it's like he's a dog. He saw a squirrel. And he just <laughs> went over there to, like, chase after it. Mm-hmm. I, like, I have no idea what drew him over there. Pesci's caught there, so there's that. Uh, you have a situation where Jordan Stahl, with a haphazard centering feed in the offensive zone, turns into a turnover – he and Fogo are a little sluggish on the back check. Yep. That turns into a three-on-two. Yeah, granted, that that one-timer from Pareko should have been stopped by by Peter Morozik. I mean, that's – I mean, no question that should be saved. But you have that happen on Shen's second power play goal. I'm not sure what Sebastian Ajo was doing. He was just floating around over yep. on the half wall. Tavo Teravainen's in no man's land. They were completely you know? out of position on the power play, both so, for both goals. And, and, it, and honestly, it looked like they on those plays. It honestly looked like they weren't paying attention. Like they were just they were mm-hmm. you know picking you know picking flowers in left field. I mean, honestly. So I got a big problem with this game, and I got a big problem with the direction that this team is going right now. There, look, I, I, I think even the second goal, the wraparound from Zach Sanford, 
uh, that Slavin didn't get to the post. We all know that Morazic didn't get across, and it looked like he stumbled, whether he got caught up with Slavin or he got his pad caught on the post and couldn't get over. I mean, he never got to the post. Uh, he right. didn't even come close to the post, and he actually fell oh. back into the goal. Um, but even Slavin, I think, kind of misplayed that. There really weren't anybody that wasn't anybody that played well tonight. There were moments for uh, for players, but I don't think anybody played a good game start to finish. Um, I think we agreed that the first period wasn't terrible. They, I mean, right. obviously that first goal was uh, was not one you want to allow. Um, it was a bad rebound. Well, and- uh, well, you know, and that and that sets them off on a bad path, right? And against you know that early in the game, and against these types of teams, Adam, you and I have talked about this. The Hurricanes have got they they have no thump, they have no physicality, right. they have no they don't have that, so they cannot get into these games with these types of teams because once they're chasing the game, the other teams don't have to really force anything, like. They, they, you know, a team like like St. Louis can sit there and uh, and out physical you for the whole mm-hmm. game and keep you away from the goal and pick their spots. Whereas if you you've got it, the, the Hurricanes, the way they play up and down, quick, they got to get teams chasing after them. You know, they they got to get teams chasing goals. And as long as teams aren't chasing after goals, they can sit there and muscle the Canes out of the hard areas and out of the scoring opportunities so they've been they've been falling in this these early goal scenarios you know the last couple games it's happened but it's happened a lot this year I mean then they give up the second one early in the second period I mean that's just not not for this team not for this Canes team it's a it's a terrible recipe the first two goals happened within the first five minutes they were were basically done I really thought Rob Brendan Moore was going to get Peter Morazic at that point because I thought all three goals uh, could have been stopped, but the rest of the team, you can't pull the whole team. The rest of the team wasn't playing well early in the uh, second. They did get the goal back, but then they gave it up again uh, not that long after that. With the, uh, they, they, and that was when the parade to the penalty box uh, you know, happened late in the second period. All of a sudden, two more goals are in, and it's 5-1. And I don't count anything that happened in the third period. Uh, I, don't, I don't look at that. I don't look at the power play goal. Um, I... Uh, Brock McGinn used his shin to score a goal. Don't, nice for Brock. He gets a goal, but uh, I don't. I don't really consider anything that happened in the third uh, relevant to the game itself. It did show that look. There's a pretty big gap between what the where the Blues are and where the Hurricanes are. And right now, uh, I haven't mentioned this yet, but the standings are a problem for Carolina, and we are now inside of 30 games left. Carolina is tied with Toronto, but they lose a tiebreak with Toronto for regulation wins. Uh, They each have 63 points, but they're outside the cut line because the Flyers have 65 points, all played 53 games. The Islanders have 66 points. They won tonight. Uh, Columbus won tonight uh, in overtime over Florida. They've got 67 points, so Carolina's four points behind Columbus uh, and they, although they have a game in hand, as if that matters at this point, uh, Florida's got 64 points in the Atlantic. They're third right now in the Atlantic. So Carolina's got now, now they have teams to jump over um, if, if we're just looking at the standings. But it, we might be in a position, even though it's only a couple of points, to stop looking at the standings at this point and start recognizing right. that 
there was a time last year where nobody was looking at the standings, uh, just concentrating on compiling points. And all of a sudden you realize, wait a second, this is, uh, this is a possibility. So let th- this came up uh, as uh, going throughout the course of the game. Boy, do they miss Dougie Hamilton. Well, of course they miss Dougie Hamilton. But I would point out that the Blues tonight have not had Vladimir Tarasenko since October. Uh, son, uh, what, uh, Oscar, uh, uh, one of them, Sunquist, he's out. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins played how many games without Sidney Crosby? They just lost Jake, Jake Gensel, not just, but a month ago, lost, lost Jake Gensel for the year. They played without uh, Yevgeny Malkin. Man, every team's hurt. It's yeah. ridiculous. Like, as good as Dougie Hamilton was, if they don't make the playoffs, it ain't because Dougie Hamilton got hurt. And if that's the way people want to look at it, then they don't know what they're talking about because this team would have been... They, they were looking for a top-four defenseman when Dougie Hamilton was healthy. Yep. And now they when, when you look at what they've got, on the back end, other than Slavin and Pesci. And we could probably say that neither of those two guys played all that well tonight. Uh, and when they don't play all that well, it's glaring. Because Gardner and Van Riemsdyk and Flurry and Edmondson, bless his heart, and he had a great uh, you know, moment getting his Stanley Cup ring. Uh, but he's essentially a third-pair defenseman for this team. And he can't play 22 minutes a game. And right now, they are woefully thin. At an area of strength. Remember all the great defensemen they were supposed to have. Right, right. That is a major problem for them because they're not getting good enough goaltending to make up for it. Right. I, well, yeah. I mean, I we talked about it as soon as Dougie went down. It was you were all you know any conversation that anybody had about what the Hurricanes needed, like the one piece they were missing was a top four defenseman. So as soon as Dougie went down, essentially. You know, you were out two top four defensemen. Right. So there's that from from the start. But I, I, you know, I don't look at this as much as a goaltending problem as everyone else seems to be. I I think it's a goal scoring problem more than it is a goaltending problem. I think if you look at James Reimer's numbers over his last 14 starts, they're ridiculous. Oh, Reimer's been great. Um, Peter Morozik is obviously fighting it right now. He is not playing his best hockey. Um, but the 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 overall tandem between the two, to me, resembles a lot of what we saw yeah. last year. Uh, man, I, I put that out on Twitter. The goaltending, right. Morozik was bad tonight. But for the right. most part, he's been okay. Reimer's been right. better, but he hasn't been you know a Vezina Trophy winner. It's a tandem. Reimer's right. not going to yeah. suddenly play 10 games in a row. Right. And so, and we know that it can be done with that type of goaltending. So people, every people are really, you know, we're getting into this Ned talk again and, you know, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to chastise people, but the politics of it right now, I don't think allow for Ned to play because James Reimer has been too good. So you can't, you can't remove him and they're not going to, you know, remove Peter yet. Because it's just one of these, you know, Peter low points. And we know how Peter mm-hmm. plays. So, to me, it's less about the goaltending and more about the goal scoring. And as Tripp has alluded to and Rod Brindamore has alluded to, they are spending way more time in their own end. Right. 
than they were at the beginning of the year. And the trickle down effect to that is less goals, more shots on their own goaltender, which in essence means more goals get let in. So this is not a Dougie Hamilton problem, if you ask me. Sure, they miss him. He was the third leading goal scorer right. on their team. Of course you're going to miss that guy. He's still I the mean, third leading a, goal scorer. Yeah, he's still the, yeah, he still is, which is, you know, maybe that's the ultimate thing that this shows right Yeah, Natchez Natchez is one behind now. Yeah, uh, he was a Norris Trophy, you know, he was in the conversation. You know, he was having his best season ever. So, you know, but it, I also think there is something to be said and we had a long conversation with one of the Canes pro scouts before the game the other night. We were sitting down there in the media room eating. But there's something to be said for investing more in your depth. You know, the Herc, you know, you look at those Penguins teams, you know, they can they can go down into their minor league team and pull guys up that they can rely on. Uh, the Hurricanes don't necessarily have that. Um, no, they so, had it last year. So, right. And so there's a reason that those teams can sustain – they're winning ways even when the Crosbys and the Malkins and the Gensels of the world go out and the Tarasenkos go out and all that stuff because they have those that ability. So I mean, they it's, had, not just uh, a, it's not just a Dougie Hamilton problem. It's a multifaceted issue. No, think about what they did last year in bringing, uh, bringing up Greg McKegg, McKegg right? Right. Uh, who became uh, a very valuable part of their team. Now, I have no problem you know, letting McKegg walk because – you had other options in the middle. You went out and you got an Eric Halla, and we'll get to him in a second. Um, but ultimately, Halla in, better player, way more skilled, but it changes the way that you play. And this is something you and I have talked about. We talked about it before the season. You mentioned right. it here. Uh, this is not a difficult team to play against. Uh, it's a it's a very skilled team, and, I, I, and I've used the term, uh, this is a team that has been built on a spreadsheet. And uh -huh. while it looks great, when you right. put it on the ice, it has obvious flaws in reality. And the reality is, right now, Halla is, what, 12 games without a goal, um, well, right? The Zingles 11. 11 games without a goal. Nino did score the other night, but he is now, like, one goal in his last right. seven games. Right. Uh, and there are other Walmart, guys. Eight. Right, Wal Wal Walmart. Jordan's. Jordan Stahl went, was a five-game pointless streak. Right, pointless. Yeah, look, there's, but it's 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 up and down the lineup. Martinook has been like twenty games uh, without a goal. There's there's a ton of scoring droughts right now. This team is getting offense from essentially three players. That's Correct. it. They're getting players. Svech, Teravainen, uh, and Aho are the only three players producing offense. This is why Rod Brindamore doesn't want to put them all in one line because he looks, oh my gosh, now I've got only one line that's going to score. Uh, and part of, and, and that is a, a big reason for that is because these guys have not been able to get the puck where the Hurricanes want it to be like it was last year. They haven't been able to, they keep saying we want to play, you know, get pucks in deep and play behind their defense. When was the right. last time we saw that for a game? It's been a long time. They don't do that. And this that's not the way this team is built. Um, and I don't know. Maybe we can maybe that's criticism for Rod. Um, I you know, I'm loath to criticize him because I think he's absolutely right and he knows what he what he's doing and what he wants to do. Um, but this team hasn't dis demonstrated that it can play that way 
on a consistent basis. Maybe this team is better at playing a pond hockey game. Yeah. And let's just oh. see let's see if we can win the game nine seven tonight. Oh, I I I absolutely agree with that. I think they are better playing a pond hockey game. The problem is they can't play pond hockey when they go down two nothing, you know, one goal uh, in the first two minutes of the first period, and then you know, in the in the first two minutes of the second period, because that's what I'm talking about. The other team won't play that game; they don't have to, right? At that point, and so the Hurricanes and they're not they're not heavy enough. They don't play a heavy enough game to bore into that once they're down and they're chasing the chasing the scoreboard like that. But I think I think you're right on. I I said this from the very beginning of the season, man. This is a weird, weird might not be the right room word. It's a different room this year. Yes, I think when you look at the people who they brought in, the, last year's group played more into the hands of what Rod Brindamore wants to do: less talent, more grit, more grind. Just to use the, uh, yeah. the preseason team names, <laughs> but you know it reminds me of what John Tortorella's got going this year. I've said this before too. John Tortorella lost Artemi Panarin. He lost Matt Duchesne. He lost Ryan Dezingle for what it's worth. And they have a good team this year. And John Tortorella, they lost Sergei Bobrovsky. Yeah. So they don't have the goaltending. John Tortorella, I bet you, loves that. I guarantee you he loves it. It plays right into his hands. Yep. And this it's a similar situation for the Hurricanes. Eric Halla, who... I think is a really good player. He's got a knee issue. He's got free agency coming up. He had a family issue, which I want to be sensitive to. Uh, but I also think that Eric Halla thinks of himself as a big market top line center. And suddenly he finds himself in Raleigh, North Carolina playing for the little old Canes. Jake Gardner, even though he signed here as a free agent, you know, that was, I think, a lot because nobody else wanted to sign him, even though Montreal had offered him. But I think he thinks of himself as, you know, a bigger time player in, in certain ways. Uh, Dezingle, I like Dezingle, but I think it's kind of the same thing. He doesn't have the mindset no. to play for Rod Brindamore. And so suddenly you have these pieces that look good on paper and, you know, credit the work that Eric Tolsky does for the Hurricanes. Um, you know, he's one of the top guys in terms of analytics in the league. Uh, Tom Dundon has bought into the analytics game and all that. I understand it. I'm appreciative of it. But in the room, this is not the same dynamic as it was last year. You don't have the leadership. Uh, and you know, I, I am, I am loathe to, you know, give, to talk about leadership that much because I think it's all sort of a product of whatever happens. We, we talk about leadership in terms of whether or not it's, uh, you're winning or not, but Jordan Stahl is, you know, he's a quiet guy and he's not producing. So I think that's more the guy, issue than that. I, I, I think yeah, that's well, the I'm, real issue. Well, no, I'm saying if you're not going to be a, if you're not going to be a vocal leader, then you got to back it up on the ice. And he's got neither of those going for him right now. Uh, the guy who would have been, you know, more of an in-your-face guy was on the other team tonight who could have been a captain. Um, 
you know, Justin Williams didn't, you know, come back until now. So it's just a, it's a different dynamic. It's a different room. There has to be, and in my opinion, not a difference in what Rod Brindamore is, is selling or teaching, but just a difference in buy-in and mentality. And if guys can take on the mentality that he wants them to take on, like being responsible, not being lackadaisical on, you know, the power play tonight, um, then they'll be okay. But I'm just not sure they have the people in that room that feel like they're the ones that should have to do that kind of work. It's a, uh, it is an interesting time. They don't play another necessarily a great team on this road trip. Uh, Arizona's good, not great. I don't think Vegas is great. I think Vegas is good. Um, I think Dallas is good. Dallas might be a little bit better than that. Who knows? Dallas could be the third best team in the, uh, in the Western Conference. I'm not sure that the three best teams in the West aren't in, all in the same division because I think Colorado uh, has a high high end, but Carolina's done with them, at least on the road. Colorado, no, or no, they already, uh, Colorado already came in, didn't they? I think. Uh, no, they no. have Colorado still. Oh, they still have Colorado coming yeah. back. I, that was Colorado, last year's game. Yeah. Last year's game when Miko Rantanen, Nathan McKinnon, and Gabriel Landeskog did all the work. Uh, all right, so, uh, but... To to me, these are these are still games. Even Carolina not being at the the top of the Eastern Conference, there are these are still games that Carolina uh, should be able to scratch out some points on, uh, and they need to stay in touch. Uh, at some point, if they don't like, let me phrase it this way: We're less than three weeks in the trade deadline, right? It's, uh, you know, I think middle of the final week of February, the third week of February, I believe, uh, or something like that. It's close. If Carolina wants to be a part of this in March and April into May, or at least into late April, if they want to be a part of this, then they have to correct some things now. They can't, yes. they can't wait until we get to the trade deadline. So the, their trade line, trade deadline probably has to be, I would say, next week in or, in, uh, to kind of reconfigure what they are on the blue line um, or uh, maybe move, shuffle some pieces around in the forward line. The, the reality is there's nothing coming up from the minor leagues that is going Correct. to change the formula and the dynamic on the ice. Zero. I mean, even though Jake Bean has played great hockey, he's not going to come up and change the the narrative. I mean, maybe well, like at, at maybe he can point, help the power wanna, play. Maybe, but at this point, don't you have to put some thought into, like, preserving Jake Bean's value? Like, letting him just be a stud down there and, you know, selling the lore of Jake Bean as opposed to, you know, bringing him up and potentially having him struggle? Well, I, first of all, if Bean came up, it would be as a third pair. He's not, like I said, he's he's not the answer. He's not going to make them different this year. Um, so I, I do think he'll be here, uh, but I don't think he is going to be here to be a part of, you know, to, to, uh, to be a, a difference maker. He's going to be right. here and play on a third pair, and maybe he'll help the power play. Um, I do believe that the organization, whether I believe this or not, I believe the organization looks at Bean as a piece of their future, um, not as an asset to move for something else. 
I think they look at Bean, especially with a low cost, and say, all right, he's going to be a guy that we're going to have in our mix uh, going forward because he's too talented. He's taken too big a step, and we don't want to we don't want to give that away because they're going to need low cost, talented players going forward. Um, I think you can be pretty solid in that Trevor Van Riemsdyk isn't going to be here next year, uh, and that uh, Joel Edmondson. I think it's uh, maybe there's a 25 percent chance that Edmondson is back. And that they're going to figure out, and they're going to try to move Gardner, I'm sure. They're trying to move Gardner now, I would imagine. Uh, I don't know this for a fact, so I don't want anybody to say, oh, Gold said they're moving Gardner. Uh, I think they would if they could, but obviously there's no value for Jake Gardner right now. I think they're going to have Jake Gardner on the team next year um, and then, um, you know, work a deal with Seattle at the expansion draft to have uh, Jake Gardner move out. Um, I mean, there are forward pieces that they could move, um, right. including all, you know, both new guys, Halla and Dezingle. And yep. I mean, I still think that Nino has something to offer. Nino's the one guy who plays a little bit of a heavy game and is a pretty good on the four check. Uh, and Nino's just had a tough year. Um, but I, I can see Nino being a part of what they are going forward because he gets it. He was part of what they did last year and I keep I keep going back to things like this and this is no offense to Halla who I think you correctly uh, identified as a guy who is looking at a contract and thinking about who he believes he is and he's not in that role for the Hurricanes um, and Dezingle is too worried about scoring to uh, to play the way Rod Brindamore wants him to play um, he should he should be able to score naturally without trying to score. It should just happen. Uh, but it's not happening for him, and now he's trying to score, and now he's getting in trouble. Um, but there's these are not people who are invested in what the Hurricanes are, and nobody could expect them to be that uh, because they'd not experienced it. Um, Hall is, you know, more of a mercenary. He is looking at the next thing. Dezingle... With, a, with another year on the contract, is more apt to buy in because of, you know, he knows he would be here for a second year. Um, but the interesting thing is that last year, uh, kind of an also ran in terms of what they added was Martinuk. And Martinuk came in and was automatically part of the culture change. I mean, 100%. It was, it was like there was a perfect marriage between what he wanted to be and what Rod Brindamore wanted to see in a hockey player. And they haven't gotten that out of the new guys, the two new forwards. They haven't gotten it. And as, and as talented as Natchez is, and we know how good he's going to be, he also hasn't done that. You know, there's been a lot of great from Martin Natchez, and he's a different type of player than those other guys. Um, he's supposed to be kind of a pretty flashy, dynamic player. But there's another element to the game that he's going to have to get better at. Um, and I think we saw that tonight. He was always looking for the perfect play tonight. Whereas he had opportunities. It's okay to use your backhand, Marty. Yeah. It's all right to use. Not everything has to be, uh, you know, your dynamic wrist shot. Use the right. backhand. Put the puck on the net and let guys go get it. Um, but there's not enough of that within the team, especially when you consider the new guys have to play scoring roles. It's all frustrating, I'm sure, for the head coach. Um, and but I thought I thought Stahl was right. I don't know if you heard his po- his uh, comments in the game after the game because I thought you talked about 
uh, Stahl and Fogel on that uh, on the Pareko goal is that yeah that was kind of a very casual uh, you know jaunt back down the ice when St. Louis is ahead on a three on two. I mean that was yeah. just that was just very ca- you can't be casual Which, certainly I, not when it's I, two I, nothing I already. I don't even understand that. Like they talk about that all the time, right? Like there's been plenty of times where they've talked about, you know, not taking a breath or whatever they say, or, uh, you know, working hard every shift or whatever. Okay. Well then don't loaf it on the track back, man. Like I don't, I don't even understand that. And this was a thing that I, I noticed a lot two years ago was that everyone was real comfortable all the time. Like, everyone thought that everything was going to work out all the time. Nah, man, like, even if you don't, even if the odds are low that something's going to happen, the time that you don't get back is the time you're going to get burned by it. So I don't understand how every single time they're not busting it. Like, I just don't get it. Like, I don't. Because then they talk about it after the game and they say things like, we weren't ready to play. Well, you weren't ready to play until you lost and then you weren't ready to play. <laughs> so, like, I don't I, I don't even buy that, right? That's just a BS excuse to me. Like, it's happened way too many times where, okay, you, you've noticed that you didn't, you know, you, you loafed it a couple times this, this game, you acknowledged it in a post game, and then you go out in another game and do the same thing. Yeah. So what what gives? You know, I mean, I don't. I just don't. I don't get it, man. I just don't get it. And 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 especially when you're not producing. Like, if you're not going to score goals, you know, recognize that. Like, do something else. Make a difference somewhere else. Yeah. You know? And that's just not that's not happening on a on a consistent enough level, man. And they've got to. They got to figure out a way to be just tougher to play against. Yeah, and I, I honestly, I'm not. Uh, I'm real, especially by the way. Martin Nook uh, left the game, played just over five minutes today. He's got uh, upper body injury. Rod sent something about uh, something in his back. Uh, let's hope Martin Nook can uh, get on the ice for Thursday against uh, Arizona because the he's part of the identity that they need, but uh would make it a lot easier for Rod to to uh to give Martin Hook the day off, the game off, uh and bring Walmart back into the game, but we'll see what happens. Uh but we do know this, they they something has to change uh for either from within and I think that's hard or from the outside if this team is going to really compete. Well- that was asked. I mean, Sarah asked him that. How do you change that? And he goes, "It's hard." You can't. Oh, you it's can't. No, do. you can't change the mindset. You can't change uh, who players are. You can't do that. Right. Yeah, you know, they they're going to have to uh, to to deal with it. Um, but you know, it, remember when Dzingel, Halla, and Natchez was awesome? Yeah, man. They were, time ago. Like they were slightly efficient. Like um, I remember reading something in the Athletic where when Dougie went down, I think it was, somebody went into talking about, you know, the numbers um, yeah. for different guys, and they were, like, sneaky efficient. Now. They were. They were playing against other teams' third pairs, but somebody has to. 
but ultimately we're we're, uh, we're just rambling and repeating ourselves now. Um, <laughs> all right, we'll uh, we'll do this again uh, soon. Hopefully the uh, the Vegas game will go uh, rather the Arizona game will go better on Thursday. It'll be later. We know that. Yay! <laughs> uh, all right, sir. It was uh, it was fun. All right. Sorry to ruin everyone's commute. <laughs> Uh, no, they're, 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 they're all thinking that anyway. Okay. All right, man. They they probably didn't even get to this part anyway. That's true. Oh, they turned it off hours ago. (laughs) All right. Uh, Alec Campbell, you're the man. All right. After, after that, I have nothing. I mean, we're just, we're just completely out of gas. Uh, all right. So, uh, subscribe, rate, sneeze, whatever, whatever you want to do is fine. Uh, this has been the morning after podcast. We will talk to you after the Canes and the Coyotes Thursday night, Friday morning. Bye. You've been listening to the Canes Corner Podcast with Adam Gold. Don't forget there are many ways you can listen to this podcast, including streaming at WRALsportsfan.com, the WRAL Sportsfan app. And you can also subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, and TuneIn. Thanks again for listening to the Canes Corner Podcast. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.